Hey, come on, Merry Christmas, Go Church family. How you doing today? Everybody feel good? Come on. Oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Merry Christmas. Hey, before we get in the message, I want to take just a moment here and from our family to your family, from our heart to your heart, from our house to yours, I'll tell you how much we love you. God has blessed my life with a lot of great gifts. Salvation being number one, Kimberly and those kids being right there, but then you all as well. And so just as your pastor, I just want to tell you, because I know you got a lot of travel, family coming in, or maybe you're going to see them, and I just want to tell you before you really get into the craziness of the next few days here, how much we love you, we honor you, we thank God for you, and I believe that 2024 is going to be your best year yet, so Merry Christmas to all of you. Whatever campus you're a part of, whether you're right here on the south side of Atlanta, or maybe you're at our west side Atlanta campus, or in Montgomery County, Maryland, or watching online, Whatever campus you're part of, Merry Christmas. All right, go church family, every location. Can you put your hands together and just say hello to one another? Come on. And let them hear you from the south. Come on, let's go. In the spirit of appreciation, how about we honor the men and women serving in the military? First responders, would you put your hands up, sir, ma'am? Come on, let's give high honor and appreciation. That, come on, a little bit louder. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, keep clapping. God bless you. Thank you all the way in the back. Thank you. Thank you. You go to the website, you go to the app, you listen to the video announcements, you'll see there's a lot of great things that are happening, and I don't want to just repeat them, but I want to make sure you hear my heart behind them. We've got a couple of things that I want to make sure that you participate in. Currently, we've got our annual legacy offering going on. It's the only special offering that we take up all year long, and uh, the reason that we ask for 100% participation is because in 2024, we're gonna give 100% of it away. Come on, can you say amen to that? So whatever the total is, whatever the grand total is, I'll give you that number on the first Sunday in February. That's Vision Sunday, the first Sunday in February. I'll come back and tell you what the grand total of the legacy offering was. So you can give all month long in December all the way up until 1159 on 1231. And we're gonna give all the money to these five legacy lanes local outreach, national missions, world missions, next generation and special projects. And I'm just believing for a supernatural offering so that we can partner with nonprofits and, and, and ministries and missionaries and churches all around the world and right in our communities where Go Church is. I wanna say thank you for your sacrifice and for your obedience. It's gonna be a great offering and I'm excited to share with you the grand total in just a few weeks. And then as you've heard, January 1 kicks off 21 days of prayer and fasting. We call it Deeper 21, and every campus will be meeting every morning, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., and then Saturdays at 9 a.m. for one hour of worship, prayer, devotion, and a time together. And then on the app, you can find daily devotionals, both written and by way of video, to help resource you through the 21 days. So I want you to participate in that. So again, a lot of great things happening. And then, believe it or not, ready or not, next weekend is Christmas, y'all. Come on, somebody. So it's happening. If you haven't gotten your Christmas shopping done, you better get on Amazon Prime today. Let's go. But we've got a great Christmas at Go Church uh, plan for you and your family. All of our campuses, uh, we're inviting you to come and be a part. We know some of you are traveling out of town. Find you a good local church to celebrate Christmas on that Christmas Eve. If you're in, in town, you're here in town, you got family and friends, bring them to go church on Christmas Eve. On your way out today, at every campus, we have tickets uh, for you to participate in the gatherings. It's a free 
ticket, no charge, anytime we get together. It just helps us kind of navigate through the crowd and anticipate who will be here. So make sure you get your free tickets. And then by some way, somehow you don't grab a ticket, we'll make room for you, all right? Our team has worked really hard uh, from worship to production, to the message, to kids, to other creative elements to really create a fantastic Christmas Eve gathering. And so I'm gonna encourage you to come and to be a part of it. Uh, you'll be highly encouraged and it'll be a, a really beautiful part of your family's tradition to always celebrate Jesus as the reason for the season. All right, I think that's all of it. Anybody ready for the word? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, grab a, a message note card right in the seat in front of you or near you or behind you. If you got your journal, you can take that out to take some notes today. If you're gonna use your smartphone to take notes, just maybe flip it on airplane mode so you don't get distracted by text messages and all of that fun stuff. Do not disturb is a good friend. We're gonna do a little mini Christmas series here called The Purpose of Christmas. We started last week. We'll talk about it this week and then conclude on Christmas Eve. Uh, but before I read you the Christmas story and we get into week two, always wanna start the message with a moment of prayer. So if you can, every campus, just out of reverence and respect and worship to the Lord, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me give you about 10 seconds here just to acknowledge the presence of the Lord. And these 10 seconds before I lead you in a moment of prayer, maybe tell the Lord, if you're here and I'm here, I want you to speak to me today. Take about 10 seconds and then I'll pray for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, that word hallelujah just means the highest praise. God, I give you all the glory today, thanking you for the privilege and the honor to stand on this platform and just uh, preach your words, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This responsibility is not one that I enter into lightly or without great prayer and preparation, both in study and in fasting. And Lord, I need your anointing. Lord, while I want to motivate people when I speak, you didn't call me to be a motivational speaker. You called me, you anointed me to preach the good news. So I pray that your word would never return void, that you would open up every heart and every ear, that you would open up every spiritual eye to see what you're doing. I pray someone would leave here today taking one step closer to you, feeling so encouraged in the midst of the chaos of the busyness of Christmas, feeling so encouraged because of your love for us. All right, we give you all the glory and all of the honor. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. And give the highest praise to King Jesus. Come on, the best praise you've got. Let's go. Thank you, bud. Luke chapter 2, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read to you uh, verses 8 through 14. Uh, I read these to you last Sunday. I'll read them again this week. And then next Sunday on Christmas Eve, we will uh, pick up the remainder of, of the Christmas story as we continue to really define and unpack what the purpose of Christmas is. Here, though, the, the Christmas story, according to Luke's perspective, is written as such. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, 
and they were terrified. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, and they begin to praise God. On the count of three, can we just praise God? Come on, one, two, three. They begin to praise God. And here's what they said. Come on, let's read this together. Every campus, one, two, three. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And somebody said amen for the word. Now, last Sunday, we really highlighted verse number 10. Because in these verses, we begin to see the purpose of Christmas defined. And so verse number 10 really showed us the the first purpose of Christmas where the angel said, you don't have to be afraid because here's why. I bring you good news. Anybody need some good news? Come on. That will cause great joy. Anybody looking for some joy for all the people? So last Sunday, in case you missed it, you can go back and rewatch or listen. But we talked about one of the purposes of Christmas being that it is a celebration, and it really is. This is why, like, I'm giving you permission, but more than me, I believe the good Lord has given you permission to celebrate this Christmas. Get together with family. Get together with your friends. Have your Christmas parties. Eat your little Debbie cakes. Come on, somebody. Drink your, uh, your eggnog, alcoholic-free. Come on, just throw that in there. Exchange Christmas gifts. Sing the songs, you know, wrap, wrap the presents, decorate the trees, celebrate. Just make sure you keep the main thing the main thing, that Jesus really is the reason that, that we celebrate. And at the end of the day, and this is what we talked through, is that the purpose of Christmas is a celebration because, number one, God loves you, and he does. Maybe this is your first Sunday here or your first Sunday in church for a while. That's a message for you. God loves you. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. It's Romans 8. What can separate you from the love of God? God loves you. Not only does he love you, but God is with you. It's one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, which literally means that God is with us. And I can tell you this, if you're wrestling in your faith or skeptical in your faith or, or doubting if God is even real, let the testimony of people even in this room or at uh, Go Church Campus, encourage your heart today. How many of you know, those who are in Christ Jesus, that God is with you, not just in the good times, but he's with you in the difficult times too. Come on, God is with you. Look at that. I'm telling you, God is with you. And then finally, we get to celebrate because God is for you. I don't know what your perspective of God is, but God's not out to get you. God's not out to punish you. Judgment will come, but today is the day of salvation. So, So God... God wants you to know that he's on your side, that he's your biggest cheerleader, that more than his desire for you to be successful, what he really wants is for you to live a life of victory. Come on, victory. And he's for you. He believes in you. And he's got a beautiful plan for you. We'll talk more about that. So verse number 10 really highlights that one of the purposes of Christmas is is a celebration, but another purpose of Christmas is that it's all about salvation, And this, at the end of the day, is the ultimate purpose of Christmas. It's why God gave us Jesus. It's why God himself 
wrapped himself in human flesh and dwelt among us to save the people. In verse number 11, because Luke chapter two really defines for us the purposes of Christmas, verse 10 talked about celebration. Verse 11 talks about Christmas being about salvation. For today, in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, where Jesus was born. It says, in the town of David, a savior, come on, that's the salvation part. A savior has been born to you. He makes it personal. Jesus came for you. God loved the whole world, but he had you on his mind. And he has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. It's not suggested that he's the Messiah or it's a possibility that he is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And let me make a statement right up front here. And I'll make this statement and really, whether you agree with it or not, whether you believe it or not, the fact of the matter is, every single one of us, we need a savior. We need a savior. We need to be saved. But why and from what? What does having a savior mean? What, what does salvation mean? Maybe you've had a friend that has told you in the past, hey, I recently got saved. Or someone said to you, I just got, I just got saved this past Sunday. What, what does that even mean? Well, if you look at the word salvation, you can define it very simply, yet very powerfully as this. Salvation means to be rescued. Salvation means to be delivered. Salvation just means to be set free. So when we talk about salvation and how God is the God of salvation, we simply mean, and what I'm preaching is, is that God wants to rescue you, God wants to deliver you, and God wants to set you free. And only he can do it. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But as we unpack what salvation really means, it actually has three dimensions to it. Salvation can mean one of a few things. The first thing that salvation means is that God wants to save you from something. So what does he want to rescue you from? What does God want to deliver you from? What is it that God wants to set you free from? Now, I could stand up here all day and, and, and give you some thoughts, but I can tell you this. God wants to rescue you from your sinful life. God wants to deliver you from the strongholds, the bondage. He wants to rescue you from the generational curse. God wants to save you from a life of addiction. Come on, somebody. Anybody got that testimony? I've got that testimony. Thanks be to God. He set me free. God wants to save you and deliver you and, and set you free from a lot of things. But at the end of the day, the reason that God sent Jesus to this world and Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sin-free, sinless life. He was crucified on the cross at Calvary. The reason they buried him in a tomb and three days later, up from the grave, he arose. The reason that he ascended to heaven and today Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father making intercession for the people is to set you free from a life of sin he came to deliver us from sin. Now, what is sin? And why did Jesus come? I'm glad you asked. The angel told Joseph in a dream, he said, this is why I'm sending Jesus. Because this Jesus will save the people from their sins. Here's what I've learned. I've learned this not only personally, but also pastorally. People tend to make 
a list of what they believe are sins. So they'll write that list down. And then in their mind, in their heart, they think if I can stay away from that list, then I'm not sinning. So if I can don't do those things, and then if I can do these things, then, well, I'm saved and I'm not sinning. So, so I, don't, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't hang with those who do. Come on, a little poem for you this morning. I want to do those things. I don't want to say bad words or look at bad things. So I, don't want, I, don't, I know I don't want to do those things because that's sin, but I'll just make my list. But what if I broadened your definition of what sin is to really challenge you to think and to know that, that maybe there's some sin, potential sin in our lives that aren't necessarily living on your list. Sin is anything, absolutely anything that will separate you from God anything. So a lot of times what we do is we, we relegate our sin to just our behavior. So if I can behave a certain way and do certain things and not do certain things, then I'm not a sinner. But at the end of the day, there could be some things in your life right now, right now, that maybe you're not even aware of, but these things are separating you from a personal and growing relationship with God. And that's dangerous it's dangerous. That's why you've got to be taught or convicted or reminded of these, these blind spots in your life where, and again, I don't want to create another list, but where pride could be a sin, arrogance could be a sin. Your inability to take a day off and you keep working overtime and overtime could be a sin. Where the way you speak to your spouse or the way you treat your children could be a sin. So again, like at the end of the day, it's not just about behavior and behavior modification. It's realizing, is there anything that's in my life that is separating me from God? And if there is, ladies and gentlemen, that thing, that is a sin. And I'll talk about me for a minute because I don't want you to feel like I'm preaching to you. But every single problem that I have right now, every issue in my life, every problem, every pain, every hurt, every issue, Every dysfunction, come on somebody, is because of sin. At the end of the day, it's because of sin. And because that sin separates me from God. And you've heard me teach this before, but watch this. If you're not at peace with God, then you are at war with God. And so this is like how the enemy really works. And I'll talk about this in just a minute here. But the enemy really works overtime to to allow sin to creep in so that he can get you separated from God. Isaiah says it this way, watch, about sin being the thing that separates us from God. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. Anybody thankful he's got a strong arm? Come on. Nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have separated you from God. You know, I don't think I'd be a, a good pastor if I didn't pause on this Christmas to just really remind you and to challenge you that if you die in your sin, if you die separated from a relationship with God, you will, for eternity, spend separated from God. You've heard me say this before, but people will often counter that type of of teaching or preaching with, well, how can a loving God send someone to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. People that end up in an eternal damnation in, in, in the lake of fire, they, they do that by choice. 
If anything, God is so loving and so kind, why would he force you to spend eternity with him when you refuse to spend your earthly life with him? Does that make sense? It's your sin that is separating you from God. That's why you gotta redeem the time. That's why today is the day of salvation where your eyes can be open to see the sin that is keeping you from that real intimacy with God. Repent of that sin so that you can draw close to him. And this is for me, but tell me if this doesn't look like the process in so many of our lives. First comes the sin. And this is what the enemy is really, really gifted at. Now, I don't wanna give him any credit, uh, but the enemy does have the ability to identify your areas of weaknesses, uh, your, your areas that you struggle in, those areas that you've got a little flesh. And then he tends to overemphasize those areas. Why? Because if you sin, that sin is what separates you from God. So, so the enemy sends the, the temptation. He, he sets the trap. The devil lays out the bait. I know some of you guys like to fish. I, but genuinely, I say this with like full disclosure. I think fishing is the most boring sport I've ever been involved in. Like, hey, buddy. <laughs> I went, somebody said, we gotta go deep sea fishing. I threw up the whole time. Come on, somebody. Like, just, but some of you love it, but what do you use? You use bait? You use a lure? Why? To attract the fish? You know, and one guy I went fishing with, he put a fake worm on the end of that line with a hook. And I thought, what kind of dumb fish would go after a rubber worm? The same kind of dumb fish, come on somebody, that falls for the same bait that the enemy puts out in front of us. He lures us in, we clamp on, and then what happens? The moment that we sin, oh man, shame. Shame sets in, regret, guilt, remorse, and some of those things can be used in, in a, a convicting way to draw us closer to God, but that's not the plan of the enemy. What the enemy overemphasizes is the shame like condemnation, beating you over the head. I told you that you would never be able to overcome it. Uh, you're just a product of your environment. You're just like your mother. You're just like your father. You'll never live a life of freedom you're the only, how about this? You're the only one in the whole world that struggles with that. Eight billion idiots on the planet. Come on, somebody. But he just condemns us. But let me tell you this, and we talked about it last Sunday, but when God sent Jesus, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's why for those who are in Christ Jesus, therefore is now no condemnation. Everything that we've ever done is covered in the blood. Anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? Come on at the cross. But man, we sin and then we have this shame and then immediately separation. And this separation happens in a few levels. I'll tell you what the enemy loves to do when you make mistakes. He loves to separate you from the family. And we'll talk about the church family in just a moment, but your family. So, fighting, arguing, regret, embarrassment, whatever the dynamic is. When the process plays out, the enemy would love for you to be isolated, to get out of the covering of your family, the people that really love you and believe in you. And I can tell you this, that if you, 
If you read the Bible from the very beginning of humanity, the enemy has been attacking the home, attacking the family. Because a house divided against itself can't stand. That's why, listen to me, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't miss this word right here. That's why you've gone too many Christmases separated from your family. This Christmas, you need to go home. You need to go home. Swallow your pride. Offer grace. Extend forgiveness. You are better together. And the enemy has worked overtime and double time to separate you from your God-given family. Don't, don't let the enemy get one more day. Come on, somebody, help me preach. Don't let the enemy get one more holiday. Don't let the enemy steal one more conversation. You only got one family, and your family will work if you work on your family. Can I get an amen? Come on. But that's, that's the enemy. He'd love to separate you from your family, and then he would love to separate you from your church family, from this community. That's why when Jesus began his ministry and he would teach and preach in parables. He would often talk about his passion for the things that are lost. He would often emphasize about his desire for evangelism, to go after those things that are of great value that have now wandered off or they're, they're separated from their owner. That's why in, in the Gospel of Luke, you see Jesus talks about the parable of this lost coin and how this woman had something really valuable and she lost the coin so she flipped her house upside down to find the lost coin. How many of you know valuable things you wanna find? That's why whenever you lose your cell phone, you go crazy, you're gonna find that cell phone. It's why Jesus talked about the, the, the parable of the lost son. Man had two sons, one runs away from home. But the father waits with great anticipation, praying and believing that his lost son would come home. That's why Jesus overemphasizes the parable of the lost sheep. And he says a good shepherd, even though he has a hundred sheep, if one of them gets separated from the flock, a good shepherd will leave the 99 to go running to find that one isolated, separated sheep. Why? Because if the enemy can get you separated, then you are far more susceptible to the attack and the traps and the bondage and the addiction that the enemy wants to place on your life. So I want you to see the process here in real time, that it starts with sin, shame gets involved, and the ultimate goal from the enemy is separation. Separation from people you love and from the people that love you. Separation from your church covering and the spiritual authority. And then ultimately separation from God. And if sin creeps in, you will be separated from God. Do you see that? So God sent Jesus. Jesus came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. To save the people from their sin. And let me tell you this, and I'll give you the other dimension of salvation. And not only can Jesus save you, but he wants to save you. And not only can he save you, and not only does he want to save you, listen to me, don't miss it, he's the only one who can save you. You can't find salvation in anything else. You won't find salvation in a self-help book. You won't find salvation in that next podcast that you're listening to. You won't find salvation on Fox News or CNN News. You might find mental issues. Come on, somebody. You won't find salvation in the government or the next president of the United States. 
You won't find salvation in your counselor. You won't find salvation in another sermon by your pastor. The only way you can find salvation is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's it. And Jesus said, watch this, Jesus said in John 14, 6, this is how I know what I'm preaching is true. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, except through me, Jesus. The only way that you get the hope of eternity is through a personal and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me say this before you clap. There is no sin too dark that God's grace cannot reach down and pull you out of that dark, deep place turn your life around and give you hope in the future. Come on, somebody testify to that truth. Come on. God's arm is not too weak and his ear is not too deaf. It is your sin that is separating you from God, but Jesus is just as close as the very mention of his name. Come on on the count of three, somebody shout Jesus. One, two, three, Jesus, and he's here. That's how he works. Who he is, watch the dimensions. You are saved from something. At the end of the day, Jesus came to save you from your sin, but you're also saved for something. I'll give you two for something reasons. Both of these are important. The second one is certainly more important than the first, but I don't want you to overlook or brush past the first one. One of the reasons that, that Jesus came was to save you from your sin, but to also save you for the purpose that he has destined for your life. Let me say it to you like this. God has a calling on your life. God has a plan for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You may have been a surprise to your family. You were not a surprise to God. God is the giver of life. And he made you fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist David says, he goes on to say, how, how, how well I know my complexities and you know the intricacies of how I'm made. I love how he says that because it's a reminder that we all got issues. But God made us and he put us together. The scripture says he knit us while we were in our mother's womb and God created us and he made us on purpose and, and for purpose. Now I'll preach it to you like this and I've said this so many times but I don't believe that God created you and then he gave you a purpose. What I believe is is that God had a purpose and so he created you. He knew exactly what he needed to create in your being in order to accomplish this assignment does that make sense? You didn't come before the assignment. The assignment came and so God made you. And he gave you every gift, talent, and ability. Now, I don't want to get in trouble from my wife or from my mama by saying things I shouldn't say from the platform. But at the risk of getting in trouble, here's how I would say it. God knew that you would screw up your life. Okay, two of you are like, well, I've done that. God knew that you would mess up the plan. God knew that you would want to do your own thing. Go your own way. Be your own God. That's why if he, could have, he could have likened us to any animal in all of the world, and yet he called us sheep. You know, that's the dumbest animal. Do you ever think about that? Like, he's, like we think, oh, yes, we are sheep. Bah. 
Now he's like, you're a sheep because you are a dummy. You can't think on your own. You just kind of go with the flow. You get all matted up. You stink. Gnats are in your face. You know what I'm like that? You are a sheep. And he says, because of that, I've got to save you from your, your destiny that you've determined to be your own when I've got a better way. Come on, somebody know that? God's got a better way for you. It's what 2 Timothy says, that he saved us, he called us. And listen to me, every single one of you are called. All of you are called by God to be his own people and not because of anything that you've done, but because of his own purpose and his own grace. God has a plan for you. And so God wants to save you through his son Jesus so that you can discover that plan. That's why we created Move Track. It's just a four-step discipleship journey. As a part of that journey, we wanna help you discover your purpose. And I'll give you the end of the class right here. You ready? At the end of the day, your purpose always points to Christ. Always. It's not about your wealth, your success, your fame. I'm not saying that God doesn't wanna bless you or won't bless you. What I am saying is, is that if you are blessed, which we all are, come on, can I get an amen right there? It's to be a blessing to other people, to point people back to Christ. And if you're like, well, God can't use somebody like me. I've got a dark past. I've got a messed up path. Let me tell you, that's the greatest testimony. Where God turns your life around, you recognize that he is the only one that can save you, and then you allow him to use you for his glory and for his purpose, and you start to point other people that they once saw how you used to be. Come on, anybody got that kind of story? That you used to act crazy, that you used to act like a fool, that you used to make bad decisions and unwise decisions and foolish decisions, but thanks be to God, he filled you with the Holy Spirit. He made you a new creation. You are no longer your old self. You are a new person. And now, well, I, I feel like I'm the only one preaching here, but, but now you worship in a way because you saw where God brought you from, Come on, you celebrate in a way because you recognize that, that every day is a gift. Anybody with me? And so, so what you want to do is, and everything you say and everything you touch with everybody you interact, you just want to give glory and honor back to Jesus because he saved you from the pit of hell. Come on, that's the greatest testimony. So let me say it to you like this. It doesn't matter what your yesterday was. It matters what your tomorrow will be. And in this moment, you can cry out to God and say, save me from my sin. Reveal the purpose that you have in my life. Has anybody been through some storms? Come on, you've been through some stuff. I've gone through some stuff, but you've been with me through it all. And now I believe that this next chapter of my life is going to be the best chapter of my life. Come on, somebody. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well. Woo, I feel that. Wear my red jacket more. Come on. He saved you for a purpose to point people back to his glory and to give him honor. But the second reason is, Far more important than you just discovering your purpose. It's realizing that God saved you for heaven. He saved you for eternity. 2 Peter 3, 9, watch. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Tell me what this line does for you. I'm gonna tell you what it does for me. Instead, he is patient with you Oh, Lord. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're really hard to be patient with. Go ahead and tell them that. Some of y'all took that to heart. You're, you're like all up in their grill. You. I hate you. Love somebody at Christmas. 
Instead, he is patient with you. Watch, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. This is what he saves you for, to spend eternity with you, his creation. John says it like this, watch. And to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become his children. You know what this word is right here? It's adoption. God knew that sin would cause shame and shame would create separation. And sin is what separates you from God. So God said, you know what? I'm gonna buy you back. I, I, I will adopt you into the family. If all you have to do is just believe and accept me and, and you become one of my children. Now, let me pause right here because I don't want you to, to over, overthink this or even undersimplify it. What other faith? What other religion? What other God, lowercase g God, says you don't have to do anything to earn salvation except believe? Just believe. God says, I'll do all the work. I'll pay the penalty. Every other faith, every other religion, every other God, you've got to figure out a way to earn your way into salvation. Earn your right into whatever relationship is with that God. Not, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, he says, you can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to get it. So I'm, I'm gonna give it freely. And I'll adopt you so that you don't have to be an eternal orphan. So you can become my son. You can become my child, my daughter. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, that's beautiful. That he saves us from something which is sin. He saves us for something which is our purpose and then the hope of eternity which is heaven. But then the final one is this before I pray with you. You're saved by something. It's the third dimension of salvation. What is it that we're saved by? I'll tell you. Grace. One word. Write it down. Grace. You know what grace is? Grace is God giving to you what you need instead of what you deserve. That's grace. God giving us what we need instead of what we deserve. You know what we deserve? Death. Because the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's Ephesians 2, watch. For it is by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. By grace, you have been saved through faith. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't buy it. Not enough volunteer hours to get it. Jesus says, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give you my grace. And that grace will save you. All you have to do is just believe. And this is my free gift. I, I was here like most Sundays. It's a part of kind of my, my Sunday morning rhythm to get here early. And I'll, uh, 
I'm not looking for affirmation, by the way, but I'll get here before anybody gets in the room and just pray and stand on this platform with empty chairs and preach this message. And when I, when I did that this morning and I got to this verse, I just kind of felt a little rush of emotion to think how, how God would offer this to me, just to me. So I went back in and edited the next slide to submit to the production team so that we could, we could pray this verse. You know, I, I'll teach this because I've taught it before during the 21 days of prayer, but the most powerful prayers you can pray are when you pray the scriptures, when you pray the Bible. So I wanna show you Ephesians 2.8 in a personal prayer. I'll read it first. I'm gonna have everybody read it aloud at every campus watch. For it is by grace that I have been saved through faith. It's not for myself. It's just God's gift. I've been saved because of grace. You ready? Come on, everybody read it. One, two, three. It is by grace I have been saved through faith. And this is not from myself. It is a gift. I think I got so emotional because my mind went back to when I was 19, running from God as fast and as far as I can, and then all of a sudden, just his grace. His amazing grace dropped down from heaven and he saved a wretch like me. And listen to me, it's an old hymn, but it's my testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Come on, anybody with me on that? And I'm thankful for his grace. And after I accepted Jesus, I started going to church and one of the first pastors that I sat under did a message on grace And this is how he defined it. He said, grace is God's riches given to you at Christ's expense. Isn't that beautiful? God's riches, and he gives them to you. And it was Christ who paid for it. So, So here's my challenge as we close. I'm pretty confident that in seven or eight days from now, or some of you have already got Christmas started, but you're gonna start exchanging gifts and opening gifts. And I'm pretty sure you're gonna get some things that you really wanted and some things you really love. Here's the challenge from the heart of your pastor. Don't miss the greatest gift on Christmas. God's grace, salvation. It's why we do what we do at Christmas time. It's why we have the parties. It's why we sing the songs. It's why we decorate the trees. It's so much more than those things, but it all points back to a celebration of God's love for us, that he would extend his grace so that we might be saved because he doesn't want you to be separated from him. So heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. Here's the questions I'm gonna ask you. I I think we've asked these same questions every Sunday this whole year. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? What's your next steps today? Well, you're gonna leave here in two minutes. Will you leave with this grace that's a gift given to you? Or will you continue to run from God, being separated from him? Jesus, I pray that this message, while 
this series is so simple, it would just serve as a reminder of your love for us. And I pause right here as I conclude this message with this prayer just to say thank you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being so patient with me. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for seeing a lost 19-year-old boy reaching your hands down from heaven and allowing me, by grace, through faith, to be adopted. I pray that if anybody be here today that feels that separation between them and you, that they would repent of their sin. It's the greatest Christmas gift that we could ever be given is the gift of salvation. So today, Lord, if anybody here, they've just been running, and maybe they've been blind to some of the areas that have kept you at arm's length. God, reveal to them those things so that they could repent of it and draw close to you for those that are walking through so much shame and guilt and embarrassment and the enemy has just beat them over the head with condemnation. May they just feel love today and conviction to take a step closer to you. We've tried it the world's way. You just try it God's way. So heads bowed, eyes closed, every campus. If you're here today and you want to invite Jesus to be your Lord, you're ready to receive the purpose, the true purpose of Christmas, the gift of salvation through grace. This might be the first time you've ever done this or just as a response out of recommitment. I'm going to count to three, hands up, and I'll pray for you. One, two, three. Come on, let me see your hands. Thank you, thank you. So many hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Other campuses as well. Lord, you've seen every hand. And while this prayer doesn't save anybody, it's just language for us to use as we repent of those sins. Father God, I'm asking you, in this Christmas season, come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my wrong, of my mistakes in my past. Jesus, make me a new person, a new creation. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. But you have everything that I need. So with that last little bit of strength and energy, I'm running to you and inviting you to be my Lord and Savior. I want my name written in the book of life. And I want you to turn my life around, my life that seems hopeless and without purpose. I want you to turn it around and let me point people to you as you do this new work in me. Thank you for Christmas. Far more than all of the exterior things that we do, let those just be a reminder of the celebration of Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending me Jesus, a personal Savior, to forgive me of my sins and to make me a new person. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, how about 10 seconds? We just bless the Lord together. Come on.